COVID happens. I was a teacher, so I have to teach online and that's a struggle of its own. I have more free time and I cannot play magic, which is the thing that it was my motivation. It was, I didn't know what to do. So my friend was like, Philippa, come on, you like to talk, you're charismatic, you love the game just stream for us, you know? And, and the idea in the beginning was, I'm going to stream for my friends. First was I'm more like, okay, my friends that are also in this situation that they cannot play Magic, they can watch my stream. And started from there. Then I started to get some raids from friends. I made a Twitter and, and that's how I started. It all with COVID. And casting happened out of nowhere. In 2021, there was the Red Bull Untapped Finals. And actually it was in Portugal, it was a coincidence. And at the time, they reached out to me and they're like, we need O's in Portuguese. And I'm like, okay, I'm perfect for that. I know magic. I speak Portuguese. I'm, I'm your girl. Bingo. And, yeah. And then one of the casters, because the casters were Andrea Mengucci, was Toral, and a third caster. One of them, the third one, just drops out of nowhere. And they're like, do you think you can help us with the casting in Portuguese? And I'm like, I can try. But I think my thing is that I just go for it, you know, instead of being afraid. Oh, I don't know this format. I don't know. I just try. I just have to keep going and try to improve and I think we are all humans that try to get better every time and if we just like every time that somebody makes a negative comment you stop I had so many negative comments but I also had positive ones and you, you just have to be realistic am I the best one maybe not but can I become well I have I can become a better version of myself so I, I can practice to become better Philippa how are you doing today doing great and you I'm doing really good. Uh, you're somebody whom I wanted to talk to you for a while. Um, I've been sort of like following your magic creator path. And, uh, you know, we had a little bit of contact like a few years back. And it, it seems like you've been going on your journey as a creator. And a lot of exciting things have happened. Or I should say ups and downs have happened in your life. Um, so I, I'm glad to uh, finally get a chance to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been playing Magic for so long that I have a lot to say. And I've been doing so many different things within the Magic community. For sure. I mean, uh, maybe we could start off with like the real basic stuff. Like what has been going on recently? Like what kind of, are you casting events? Are you involved in some stuff? Are you playing March in the Machine? Like what's your Magic involvement like these days? So magic, I, I am the kind of person that I have a lot of ways to enjoy magic. I know players that just play arena. I know play, players that just play MTG online. I have players that just play paper. And I am a player that I think I do everything. I like playing commander. I go to all pre-releases. So last week and I was at the March of Machine pre-release. I love playing limited, constructed. Uh, so I, I think I identify as a lot of kind of different magic players and I understand them because of that and so I, I think my journey as a creator follows a bit that because I'm a bit everywhere I try streaming YouTube casting I do a bit of everything I've been on commander shows so uh, definitely that's how I've been enjoying magic I also have been casting as you said uh, that's a journey that started out of nowhere uh, and I've been really enjoying it I've been casting the legacy European tour which is the regional championships in Europe and also the VML which is a tournament for marginalized genders within the magic community and I've been really enjoying it. Yes. So going into that a little bit more deeply, like why do you think it is that you're enjoying magic on so many different ways? Because I, I feel like I think one aspect is time, right? We all have limited time. So sometimes like for someone like myself, I might choose to be involved in maybe one or two formats. 
uh, sometimes it's because of budget. Like people want to just play on Arena. They don't want to also play Magic Online or Paper. Like what is it within you that wants to do all these kind of different ways to experience Magic? So I think each kind of way to experience Magic has something different to offer me. I play Arena mostly because I stream on Arena. Arena is a great platform to stream, to also make YouTube content that I make uh, YouTube videos. So I think it's great because the user experience is great. People that even don't play that much Magic can understand what's going on. And actually, uh, my boyfriend, uh, he doesn't play Magic and I teach them how to play on arena and he started loving playing on arena and it was easy for him to understand because it has tutorials so i think arena is more approachable for people that are more casual and want to start with magic to watch my content and find fun decks then i play paper because i want to see my friends and there's this social aspect of magic that uh i want to go on a tournament play limited open cards i love collecting so that's another aspect collecting cards and then i go and play limited keep the cards see my friends then I play on MTG Online because sometimes I just want to be a bit more competitive and uh, I want to learn how to play the game better. And there's these qualifications for the regional championships and for uh, the mocks. And I, I think Magic Online offers this uh, these aspect of it. You can also try different decks because there's rental subscriptions. So it's easier for you to try different formats and every deck that maybe in paper would not be as accessible for you to try. Uh, and then Commander is like... For me, Commander is almost like a board game, you know? You are going with friends and you are just having fun. And so I like enjoying magic in all these different styles because every style has something different to offer me. Does that mean that you see yourself as being like different, playing different roles? Like, for example, that of a casual versus a competitive player. I know those labels are often just labels, but like, how do you see yourself? Yeah, you know, that's actually a great question because uh, I definitely am a bit in the middle. And I feel like sometimes the middle is not very represented. You either have players that are super competitive or players that are super casual. And in my content, I also have this, um, this struggle because sometimes I have I try to be more competitive, so I attract this kind of audience. But then the, this kind of audience is different than the audience than when I'm playing a brew deck. And then when I'm playing a brew deck and just having fun, the competitive audience comes in like, why are you doing this? Why are you not being competitive? Like this deck is not good, you know, and the purpose is not to be good. So definitely I see that point where uh, sometimes being in the middle can be frustrating because you're not super competitive, but you're also not super casual. But I think there's more people like me, you know, people that are not so in the extremes and they just like, it depends on their mood, what they want to do with magic. So do you have like certain uh, schedules? Like for example, like you'll do Commander on Monday or you'll do like, I guess the question is about your personal involvement with Magic, but also your content. Like, do you try to like figure out like, I want to maybe partition it so that, you know, I'm doing competitive some, some of the time, maybe on Tuesdays and on Thursdays I do this. Like, how do you work out a, do you have a system for yourself? I guess is the question. Yeah. So usually it really depends on my schedule because I also work full time. So it, it really, it, it depends on my flexibility, but usually my approach is on the weekends, I try to do a challenge on MTGO, bring a bit of my competitive side or one pro tour qualifier that they run on MTGO. And that's my competitive side. Then I try to, before it was once a week, but now with life, it, it's not been as frequent to go and draft and go to my local game store, being able to draft. 
Uh, I also sometimes just ask my friends to lend me a modern deck, pioneer deck, and go to my weekly story event. Uh, and other than that, I just record for YouTube like once, twice a week, and sometimes stream on the weekends. That's what I've been doing now. Before I I was not working full time, so I was streaming every day. That's not the case anymore. So I think it kind of magic kind of adapts to my schedule, and it has to. Uh, and the, the more the less time that I have. Also, I have to give up a bit on the competitive side of Magic, but I still want to enjoy it. Got it. Uh, how long have you been a creator for? So it all started with COVID, actually. I started making uh, streams on, on, on during COVID. And it was... Uh, so I was playing Magic for 10 years at this point. I started going to um, the Magic, uh, like, Grand Prix. At the time, it had another name, Magic Fest. You know, they, they keep rebranding it. Yeah, but yeah. I started playing it in 2019, so right before COVID. And I was loving it. I was making top eights in uh, Pro Tour qualifiers. I was really trying to qualify for the Pro Tour. Uh, and I, I was going to these events. And, and that's when I fell in love with competitive Magic because I've been playing casual for many years. But that was the year that I was that I was in love with Magic and I, I wanted to qualify for the Pro Tour. That was my dream at the time and I was trying to do everything. I was going to uh, events every weekend, the qualifiers near my... Even I if I was in Portugal, I was going to Spain to try to qualify, doing this crazy road trip oh, with friends. Okay. Yeah. And I think a lot of people relate with that, uh, especially in Europe. You you sometimes go to, to the countries next to yours just for these events in the weekend. And, and I think I, I know a lot of people that, that are like this. They are competitive. They want to qualify for the Pro Tour. They try to queue. And I, I it was going really well. And then COVID happens and it's really sad and it's it really mm -hmm. had an impact on my mental health because suddenly you COVID happens I was a teacher so I have to teach online and that's a struggle of its own I have more free time and I cannot play magic which is a thing that that was keep going it was my motivation it was and I, I think a lot of people relate with this and I, I I didn't know what to do so my friend was like Philippa come on you like to talk you're charismatic you love the game just stream for us, you know? And in the idea in the beginning was I'm going to stream for my friends. I was posting it on Facebook and I was just Oh, streaming. it's more like a private thing at first. Yeah, at, at exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. And first was like more like, okay, my friends that are also in this situation that they cannot play magic, they can watch my stream. And and that started like I started posting on a Facebook group. Uh I, I tried to do it in Portuguese. I think did it, did it Portuguese one time, but then I started going with English, uh, maybe trying to attract a broader audience and, yep. and started from there. Then I started to get some raids from friends. I made a Twitter and and that's how I started, it, all with COVID. Okay, that that is really cool. And the one thing I want to ask here is, was there something from before, like whether it was being a teacher or just being you that made it fairly manageable to become I know in the beginning the stream was private but still you were doing something that not a lot of people do like just not a lot of people just go from playing magic to doing magic content like we're kind of in the minority so it's like was there something about like yourself like your past experience that made it a little bit easier to take that first step or was it just like peer pressure your friend said like you should do it and you just try it or is it just like being willing to experiment maybe I don't know Actually, that's funny that you ask, because I think nobody knows this, but when I was in college and I was like, so I'm 28 now for context, when I was like 
20 and I was in college, I, I tried to do Artstone streams. I was playing Artstone at the time and I was, uh, I decided to do some streams. I was doing, uh, I had like 10 viewers, some, something like that. And, uh, and I just stopped because my computer was really bad at the time and my internet sucked and I just, I just stopped. But yeah, I had this experience with streaming. I wanted to stream more. I never had the financial capacity, capacity you know, and even after uh, when COVID hit and I started streaming, I was streaming on a 500 euro laptop. I didn't have two monitors. I didn't have anything. And it right. was people within the community that helped me build. Somebody donated for me to get a, a monitor and then somebody helped me get a, a computer because I didn't have a lot of money and I started from nothing. I was just literally streaming on my computer and I could have given up. Like a lot of times I wanted to because the computer didn't want to work with me. It was so slow. It was always <laughs> crashing, you know, but I just yeah. kept going and the community was really nice and eventually it took me like almost a year to get a, a computer so that makes me even more curious now it's like some people like they have the perfect setup so it's like yeah i have good internet or good hardware connection and things like that so it's like at least that's one less thing to worry about but you were doing it even with like those challenges so there must be something like within you that i don't know if it's like stubbornness or some like persistence that made you want to keep doing it so what was that it was both. I just, I think I fell in love with the community and having people that supported my, my goal and my passion. And I, I just, it's like making friends, you know, especially in the beginning, you talk about deep topics because you have like 15 people in your stream when I started. And, and maybe it's uh, the same 15 people, right? So. Yeah, it's always the same 15 people and they talk about their lives and you feel like you know them. And when they go there and say hello, you like, it's, it's like you're reaching with your friends. And when COVID happened, I felt this more because I didn't see anyone. I couldn't in Portugal. It was really strict. You couldn't go anywhere. Uh, so it, it was an escape. And it was one of the things that really helped my mental health during this period, which was really difficult, I'm sure, not only for me. And it, it, it was like having each other. So I felt like I had to stream because these people were also relying on me to be there and to make them company. And then they became friends with each other in the community. So I had to be there for them to meet. And I was never great at, I have a Discord, but I was never great in being like active on Discord. So that was my thing. I, I came, I streamed and and uh, I made this community that that was great. And I just, just kept going and really believed that uh, I could improve. But yeah, the setup was definitely a struggle. I remember this and one time that I was like, no, I really need a new setup and I'm too involved at this at this point because I remember playing this tournament and it was like a tournament for like 500 bucks, you know, and I was making the top eight. I was make, going to make money and my cat, Luros, bites oh, no. the cord of already... the internet <laughs> and I'm streaming and I come back and I'm crying and I don't know, like why I'm crying so much like this is not a big deal and I remember even Gabriel Nassif comes to my stream and then donates for my uh, stream setup because I think it felt bad for me too and everyone like no I need a new computer this is time because uh, I'm I was so upset that day uh, and and yeah like it, it gets really when you're streaming along hours which I don't do anymore you get really involved with the game and then small things like this that today I laugh about I cried about it because it felt so bad at the time yeah um you just reminded me like when because you said you, you knew you know uh Harry MTG so it's like when I interviewed him he mentioned like you know I I was not on my best behavior when I was streaming and I went back and look at his clips like he he had I'm not saying this is what you did but I'm saying he had like extreme emotional reactions let's put it this way um, and of course he was young too. I mean, he's still young. I think he's like 22 years old. So it's, he's like a, 
as far as I'm concerned, he's like a baby. Um, so, but uh, I, I, I know, I know, I can relate to the fact that it's like when you're streaming, a lot of things are heightened, right? Like you're emotional because it feels like there's more people behind you. It feels like you're, in a sense, you're kind of like performing for other people. I'm not saying that in a bad way, but like you are like publicly putting yourself and your gameplay out there. So it's like, it just feels like the stakes are higher, right? Like I'm, I can just imagine, like I play challenges sometimes on the weekends, but I don't stream it. So it's like, I might feel pissed off, but I'm just thinking like, if I'm doing it in front of other people, I might be like extra pissed off where people might like, I might have to like defend how I play or like, you, you know what I mean, right? So it's like the joy gets magnified, but also the criticism gets magnified because you're putting yourself out there, you know? Yeah, and that's the thing with, with being more competitive. And at the time, I definitely was trying to strive to be more competitive. I was playing the Star City games. I was investing all the money that I had on playing these tournaments, you know. And and I remember, like, at the time, I was receiving big raids, like, on Twitch from Nassif. Uh, and from, I, I was playing against Seth Manfield on tournaments. Uh, all these amazing players that I looked for. And I attract this kind of audience, right? And this kind of competitive audience is great. But at a certain point, you have to be really good. Because why are they choosing to watch you to learn how to play magic instead of watching one of these Andrea Mangucci and Gabriel Nassif and Reed Duke, right? So you feel like you have something to prove. And when you're spending so many hours and then things like this happen and you feel like this is my moment, I'm going to make top eight this event, this will bring me more. And, and I was trying, I was making top eight in challenging, posting my lists and, and it was really important for me at that time to get good results. And when I didn't, I would get really, really upset. Mm. Yeah, that's the the magic player challenge. Like we've all been there. Like try to have the whole self validation through results and the the pressures that <laughs> that go with it. Uh, this is a universally relatable topic, no matter who you are. Um, but I'm also like wondering too, like something you said. Like, do you just have a personality that's like you want to prove people wrong? Because I feel like I, I can sense a little bit of that too. Like I'm wondering if like that's that was part of you becoming a competitive magic player where being a spike, uh, you know, is, is, was there something there or are you just naturally competitive? Maybe I'm just misreading the situation. No, I'm very definitely really competitive. And it's one of the things that uh, magic is a game that takes a long time to perfect for you to be really competitive. For you to get to the next level, you have to spend a lot of time. And at that time, I was like, this is my last chance. This is my chance to, to actually make good results. And I was so frustrated because there were no paper events. I really wanted them to be back. And uh, I was like, it's now. It's my moment. I have time. I'm learning more about the game. I felt like I was evolving in the game. And I was getting frustrated because I was so close to get there. And, and I, I, I didn't. In one year, I made like three or four top eight um on the PTQs, but then I never won. I lost on the top four and I felt like there, there's this you barrier. You felt so you know? close, right? Yeah, yeah, I always felt so close. And then COVID happens after just less than a year of me doing this. And I was like, I'm going to make it in the Pro Tour. COVID happens. They stop the Pro Tour. I try to play online. I make some day twos of those GP stuff that they did at home. But it's like I'm close, but I never really got that title to like say mm. like, no, I'm actually good. And that's what I kind of was for because I'm competitive and I wanted to prove people wrong and be like no mm. actually like I can do this you know and I, I still think I will I can this is not the moment right now because I cannot really compete since I'm casting but I'll get there one day right right I was going to ask you if your goals have 
evolved or changed it sounds like they have right because like you know you're you don't you don't have complete freedom to be like i'm going to try to qualify for the pro tour i'm going to play like every event because you might be casting some events so it's like of course you can't play in it so i i guess the the leading question is like your goals have changed right like as of right now as a as a creator or as a magic player i mean yeah they they completely changed so in 2021 i moved to bulgaria and I, I found a job here. I really needed to switch career paths. And uh, I. So, no I longer a teacher? I, no know? longer a teacher. I work in finance now, something completely unrelated. But okay. uh, let's just say that teaching in Portugal is it's not very well paid. And um, there, there's struggle. The housing price in Portugal is really high right now. So, a, a lot of factors, mainly financial, made me move to Bulgaria. Uh, they mm -hmm. were looking for Portuguese speakers with some finance background, and I, I got a job. And one thing I love about the magic about magic is that I didn't know anyone. I came to Bulgaria, it was crazy. But you know what I knew? That I could go on the wizard store locator and see when the next event is. And I went, uh, I, I came to Bulgaria. That Friday I was playing the limited and people were inviting me to go to dinner and drinks after. And I made friends, people that are still my friends this day. And magic is, it brings you this, you know, more than the game. Because where, I, at the time I was 26, now I'm 28, but where would I find friends like this so easily that actually share something that I love, you know, and have this something in common. So magic brings you much more than the competitive side and it took me some time to realize, but I think now I, I have more balance with magic. Yeah. Was there like a particular event, maybe not to get dramatic, but was there like one thing or a couple of things that made you changed the way you thought was it moving to bulgaria or was it like maybe something else that made you become maybe less competitive or less set on like okay i need to like play in the pro tour or something like that first it was the lack of events right so it was the lack of competitive events they kind of shut down the at least in paper, which is the thing I love the most, they they shut down these kind of events. I was working full time. I didn't have so so much time to to focus on that. Then they announced the the events are back. Le Legacy European Tour is in Europe. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to this event. I went to Bologna to play. Didn't do great. It was limited, but I had fun with friends. And I was like, uh, and I was thinking to myself, okay, these events are a bit expensive, you know, because you have to fly to another country, hotel. So these things, not just the ticket itself, it's all the things that are, in, that are around it. And I was like, it's going to be difficult for me to make this, but I'm going to try. So I went to Bologna, spent a bunch of money. And, and then actually I contact Legacy because I saw that they were giving... Um, like a contented creator pass, they would just give you a bag with side event tickets and uh, just just give you your entrance for free. And I saw them doing that with a content creator and I was like, I'm going to try. So I messaged Legacy and I'm like, look, if you are giving content creator badges, I would love to, to have this. I, I want to go to these events. I want to be competitive, play. So, And they were like, actually, have you ever thought about casting? And that's oh, okay. how it... they were looking for casters too. Yeah, okay. apparently they were looking for casters. And I actually had casted one event before. Uh, and, and casting happened out of nowhere because in 2021, there was the Red Bull Untapped Finals. And actually, it was in Portugal. It was a coincidence. And at the time, they reached out to me and they're like, we need O's in Portuguese. And I'm like, okay, I'm perfect for that. I know magic. I speak Portuguese. I'm, I'm your girl. Bingo. And, yeah. And then one of the casters, because the casters were Andre Mengucci was Toralf and a third caster. One of them, the third one just drops out of nowhere. And they're like, do you think you can help us with the casting in Portuguese and in English? And I'm like, 
I can try. English is not my first language, but I mean, somebody dropped, I can feel them for them. And that's how I had my first casting experience with Mengucci and Torov, two amazing players. And, and there I am. Mm. English is not my first language. But I think my my thing is that I just go for it, you know, instead of being afraid. Oh, I don't know this format. I don't know. I just try. And it was the same with the with Legacy. They, they, they invited me and I was like, sure, I'll do it. I'll try. And that's how it started. How do you... Um... How do you compare yourself now as a caster compared to when you started? I mean, let's just take the language part aside, but like how have you seen like a, what kind of improvements have you seen in yourself just, just from day one to now? Oh. Like, cause I don't know, I've, I've never done casting. So it's like, I, I'm just really curious. My friends are really honest and they, they now tell me now that I, I've been improving a lot and I have this feedback and I also think I, I have improved, but I think I'm also improving, especially formats like Modern Pioneer that I, in the beginning, I didn't know as much. I was really new to the formats I used to play, but I was not super into them. And the more that you cast these events, the more you know, because the decks are the same. They don't change that much. So you start learning and you start getting more confident. Also with the cameras, the crew, your uh, other casters. And and I, I there's a big, big change. And, and if I look at the videos from the beginning, even if I look from my last video, there's things that I'm going to watch and I'm going to... I'm not going to like, but mm. I, I just have to keep going and try to improve. And I think we are all uh, humans that try to get better every time. And if we just like every time that somebody makes a negative comment, you stop. I had so many negative comments, but I also had positive ones. And you, you just have to be realistic. Am I the best one? Maybe not. But can I become? Well, I have. I can become a better version of myself. So I, I can practice to become better. I think... Um... So I, I, I've, I've talked to a number of casters, even though I haven't been one. Um, and I, I, my understanding of casting is that people have different strengths, right? Some people are better at like technical commentary, like literally just telling you like what's happening or trying to get into the head of the, the player and be like, from this level I might. So maybe someone like Mangucci or Thoraf are really strong at that because they're very strong players, right? Um, some people have like really good charm. Maybe I'll just call it that. Mm -hmm. Like they're very good at just like, entertaining the audience or like having good chemistry with the uh, the other casters right um there's different ways to do it right uh and so i'm wondering like how you what do you think your strengths are as a caster like we're like I, i'm not saying those are the only two categories but yeah. but like what like how do you describe yourself as a as a caster how do you see yourself so I definitely think I'm more on the side of uh, maybe not so much of technical play, although I do know the decks, I know the formats and I, I know magic. I wouldn't say I'm not an expert, so I do more the play-by-play -play kind of style. I introduce what kind of tournament it is, uh, what are the rounds, what are the stakes for. Another thing I really love to do is interviewing players because as I, I've been there and that's the thing, like I can relate with them. I know what they are feeling. I know what dread the adrenaline i know what it is to be like on that win and in situation and when i i'm casting i also try to to be kind to the players and i understand okay the friends of these players are watching this this player is going yeah. to rewatch this i want to portray this game in a way that if the player rewatches they feel good even if they lost or won they are going to rewatch and they are going to feel good about this Okay, so it's not going to be like, oh, how did it feel to like screw up three times in a row or something like that? It's like, like yeah. not try to make them feel mm -hmm. maybe worse in the moment mm -hmm. or maybe on rewatching it, something yeah. like that, right? Or, or even sometimes there's games that are like kind of, you just don't get your third land and that's it. 
But you try to be like, oh, this player actually brought this deck and it's super interesting because they are running this card in sideboard and I run to the expert. What do you think of this card? You know, so try to highlight things that the player... Oh, look at the cool art. This player foiled out their, their old deck because I know this person like spent a lot of time to pimp his deck up and to have such a cool deck. And the tokens sometimes are so cool. And I'm like, oh, this token actually is really... Because I know these people spend time to make this deck pretty and to bring this sideboard card that other people don't... And, and I know this is small details that probably people wouldn't notice at home, but I know the players care about. I notice that stuff all the time. Like, <laughs> I'm glad you asked them about it because like, I'm the kind of person when I play my legacy deck, I want to, I use black border duels. Like I use German cards because I like the, the German language. I care about like all the trivial stuff. Right. And I guess as a hardcore tournament player, you don't care. Cause like a hardcore tournament player, they don't even care about like using a play mat or anything. It's just like, I, just the cards. It's usually cards that someone lent to them. But I think for a lot of Magic players, the self-expression is a big part of it. So I think tapping into that is important because I think the audience uh, viewing a stream, even if it's a competitive event, I think people do, or at least I always pay attention to that, right? I'm always like, why is that player using that foil or that version of the card? Or what? like that card is signed. What's the story behind it, right? I, I, I don't know. I, at least I, I'm, I'm fascinated by that, so... Yeah, also yeah. you have the story of the player, like, who is this player? Because I'm casting the, the Legacy European Tour, so you see the European players, that's that's mainly it. And a lot of them are the same, and you see them multiple times. It doesn't matter if it's in Paris, if it's Warsaw, they're going to be there. So you start to know them, and there's a story about this player. Oh, this player actually in the last tournament came with this deck, now they are coming with this, and this player actually is known in the community. Oh, this is a French player, and then the French people start in the chat commenting, rooting for them. Oh, this is actually a streamer. And uh, the casting has this uh, very technical side and you, you should have an expert that, that is good at doing that. And then you also should have the more um, human side and the story of the player. And I think something that at a certain point Wizards tried to do with Rivals and MPL to bring the story of these competitive players, but then it kind of vanished. But I think it's important uh, because these these people are after all, spending so much time and dedicating so much time for this game. Yeah, for sure. Um, the the stories are very important. This is why I do this podcast. In fact, I the only the only way I want to do coverage is basically I just want to be the person that interviews the players. Honestly, like I don't care about the other stuff. If I one day get a job where I could just be the person, like you know, like you or BDM, who is like just interviewing the the players like uh before during after matches that that's that's kind of like my dream job it's just i don't yeah anyway because <laughs> the technical <laughs> stuff is that is not is not my strength um but i i'm wondering like philippa are there like particular moments you have as a caster that you're particularly proud of like whether it's like a specific moment or or an event or are there is there anything that stands out well, I was really proud of that. There was this tournament that I did more of an expert role. I casted with Lily. So we were two girls casting and it, it I was nervous about it, right? Because that never happened in a high level before. And I was doing the more expert side of it. And I was really proud because I, I at times I doubt it. I'm like, I play standard. I play a lot of it. It's the format that I play more within the constructed formats. Uh, but 
am I going to be able to to do a good job? And, and in the end, I was proud of it and I had good feedback and, and it, that really made me proud. Also, there are times where like, for example, small things that most people don't notice, but I get really proud. For example, I see an RSET partner avails in sideboard and there's the passive ability. And I, I mentioned like how in the, this matchup, this uh, this passive ability can be relevant eventually, and then it ends up being relevant. And you go back to the, the point where uh, I said almost it. Almost like you know, predicting. Like, yeah, yeah, when these moments, like it, it, things that you say that just line up, you kind of feel proud of yourself and you feel mm. happy that you mentioned them. So yeah, these kind of moments for sure. What are some things that you, I don't know if this is like natural or not, but like, I feel like some people just have good chemistry with other casters. Like, for example, with you and Will Hall, like, I feel like you guys have a pretty good chemistry. Like, is that something, is it just natural or do you work on it? Is it, I, like, what is it exactly that makes you, like, work well with other people? It's a lot of behind the stage, right? So, uh, Will, in this case, usually is the person that I go for dinner with. And when we are there, like, we just became friends. So, because me, Will and Ari, we, we, the three of us started this Legacy European Tour. We were the, f the first three that kind of did, did this, this uh, event running. There was one in Bologna, but it was mostly with Italian casters. And then they, they started to go a bit more international. And it was me, Will and Ari. And the first events, it was always the three of us. So, I think you kind of have to rely on each other because we were all new to casting. So, uh, we kind of had to be vulnerable around each other and I think when you're able to be vulnerable with the other person and be there to support them and them to support you, uh, you, you start seeing that more. Now I haven't casted as much with Will, mostly because both of us, we've been doing this for a bit longer. So uh, we usually do the play-by-play -play hosting kind of side of things and then somebody that didn't make as many times this specific tournament goes to more an expert role and they're more technical about it. Uh, like we had Martin Musa sometimes and yeah. What is it about Will's jacket that is very attractive for you? I heard <laughs> that you've tried to uh, to take the jacket from time to time. Is that right? I'm I'm so jealous because like my biggest dream is to go to America, and I will go. Not easier, but maybe next one. And I saw that they get these awesome magic jackets there, and they have all this cool swag. And I, and I'm like, I want a magic jacket. So it's it's, it's just <laughs> jealousy at that point. <laughs> okay. Um, We'll also mention that you have a big love for ice cream, especially at the events. Like, what's the deal with that? Is it? Yeah. So me and Will have this tradition that uh, in the end of an event, we always go and get gelato ice cream and we take a picture of us eating ice cream. And it's just this ongoing thing that we do. Uh, and, <laughs> and it's just that just us loving ice cream after dinner, we go for ice cream in every country that we go because right now me and will uh so will has been the person that has done more events and um i think probably i'm the second one and uh we just been together in so many occasions this past year we just became friends and yeah what do you have a go-to flavor for the gelato oh no i like i like to diversify i just do you like diversify gelato. so diversity yeah. as a magic player also as a yeah i guess a gelato I guess... eater I, okay. I can just not make up my mind. One time I'm in the mood for something. The other day is chocolate, vanilla. Okay. Is it all your decision or do you try to like convince each other like which which flavor to get? Like how, no, what's the just, process? We just <laughs> go with our own motto and we just take a picture with it and we'll does these silly faces uh, on the pictures and we just tweet about them and that's it. <laughs> nice. Nice. 
Um, what's your continue? What are your continued goals around casting? Do you have any? Like, is it just keep doing it to improve? Like, is there or is it something else? Yeah, I definitely want to keep doing it to improve. Um, I don't know where it's going to take me because if three years ago you would tell me that I would be casting events for Magic for the regional championships, I would not uh, believe it. And actually, like uh, a friend of mine. Uh, the other day I, I said, oh, somebody recognized me from Magic because uh, my, my co-worker, she was like, my husband, friends play Magic and they know you. Uh, and, and I was telling my friends, oh my God, like they, and they, my friends are like, yeah, you're kind of the female image of European uh, competitive scene at this point for these tournaments. And I'm like, I am? I don't think I am. I think nobody knows me, you know, because when I was going to these events three years ago, nobody knew me. So I still think nobody knows me. Having said all that, like, what's the has any like what's the most interesting place you've been recognized? Is it is it in that kind of setting, or like have you have you ever been recognized for your work in Magic? Like, I don't know, in some random place in Bulgaria or Portugal or some somewhere else? No, no, definitely not. Like, you have a lot of in events. People come to you, or uh, they look. They don't say anything, but they look, and you know they are commenting. Oh, someone is passing. Uh, but and it happens more each time, right? The more that you do these events, the more it happens. But I think this one was like the most crazy when my coworker was telling his husband and his friends of her husband just randomly knew me. Uh, so that was was really crazy. Yeah. Going back a little bit to what you said, you know, in 2020, starting as a streamer or creator, um, how do you go from like streaming to 15 people to streaming to more people? Obviously, you've got way more bigger of an audience now. Like, were there specific things that you did that helped you kind of get to that next level of viewership? Yes. And I, I actually have recommendations if anyone is starting to stream. Time is Perfect. really important. So I was, I started at 15 views, 20, 25, 30. I think the most I had was like 60 at this kind of time slot. But then I decided to change. I was streaming afternoon, European afternoon, where everyone was streaming. The American people were streaming, the European people were streaming. And then I, one time it was just an holiday in my country. So I started streaming in morning and I got a hundred views. And then it just went from there. Like I, in the mornings, I just add more people. I also had more raids from other people. So I, I think then I started getting 100 something, 200 something concurrent views in the morning. Um, that was it. Then I just uh, kind of now I just stream for fun and it's a bit different. But but that was that was when my stream was popping off and I was more uh, trying to get top mythic. I was like, for example, number seven in the mythic ladder. So I was more towards competitive play and the time change really helped i would say uh at least in my particular case so try to find a a time slot or a schedule that's not like the most competitive time when everyone else is streaming and like that's that's what you're saying right maybe try to get um try to figure that out for yourself if you're getting yeah, started try different time slots because at one time i was like for many months stuck on that 60 viewers sometimes i would go a bit higher but but it was difficult to get more than that and, and then i just experienced with different time slots and you'll understand like sometimes it's not people just just have a lot of options and it's it's difficult to get the attention of uh different people when so many so many people are streaming and um it's it's more difficult for people to find you on the explorer page what about like just in terms of um your personality how you present yourself the types of content uh i know you touched a bit on like you know the 
the tension of like what kinds of content do you are you doing like competitive versus casual but like do you have any recommendations for people that are trying to grow a bigger audience like what do you have to how how did or maybe not maybe not so much like everyone should do it like me but just like how did you do it like what yeah. what was the way that you did it I wouldn't do it the same way that I did it before because I think I developed a bit of an unhealthy relationship with Magic. Uh, I was playing the formats that I think people wanted to watch instead of playing the formats that I wanted to play, you know? Oh. And at one point I wanted to start playing Limited, but then if I played Limited, half of the people would join. Oh, you were worried know? about the viewership, right? Yeah, yeah, so I couldn't do whatever I wanted to do. And I remember one time particularly, and I was already getting like 70 views, something like that, concurrent. And I streamed MTGO. I did a league, a Pioneer League. I was enjoying Pioneer. And I got like 15 viewers and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going so low. And I remember I played a league and I got five wins. I got all, and I'm like, I'm playing well. I'm getting good results. But still, because people are, the people that are watching you, uh, you have always the people that watch, regardless if you're playing TFT, Magic, whatever. But... There's people that just want to watch for a particular format. And and it takes time to build different audiences. When I moved to Bulgaria, in the beginning, I was like, okay, I'm going to play limited. And, and I remember in the beginning, I got less views and then the limited fan base go grows a bit, you know? So they know that now you play more limited, that you play more casual. So I, I went to the mistake of thinking if I wouldn't be competitive and just play the mythic ladder and just play competitive, people wouldn't watch me instead of trying to just do what I love and try to build people that were watching because of me and not because of what I was playing, if that makes sense. So you're saying that if you could do it again, you would focus more on... Um doing the, the formats or the gameplay that you enjoy and not be as concerned about um, the viewership. Yes, definitely. Like the, the, I really wanted to get partner and I got there and for you to be partner, you need uh, some amount of views. And uh, I was really focused on that. And I just, I just was playing whatever I thought people wanted to watch. And I was sometimes not happy. And, and after when you're streaming like four or five hours, six hours of this game a day, six times a week, it, it, and it's then you're lot. playing off stream as well. It's a lot. And, and if you're it's, not, it's a lot, especially life, if you don't enjoy it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Like sometimes you just want a break and want to play a draft. But I was too afraid. Oh, but now if I play limited, half of my viewers will go to another stream that's playing constructed. And, and, and that's something I recommend. Like if somebody's f streaming more like full time, uh, which now I'm not, but if I'm rec like, do what you love because people will follow. Like you have examples like Voxy. She's always having fun. Like she's so, I watch her streams and like, it doesn't matter if she's playing uh, whatever format I'm going to watch because she's funny. And, and at one point, I think if, if I'm just playing for the views, it doesn't matter because people are not going to stick with my personality and because of me. And, and in the end of the day, that's not the goal, right? So I know Voxy also had some, cause I had her on the podcast and we talked about, um, uh, you know, some of the challenges, right. And I feel like for streamers, there's, there's, there's actually a lot of common themes between streamers. Like she was also saying how she felt kind of concerned about like playing video games on the stream or like doing something different. But I think in the end, she kind of had the same conclusion you did, which is like, it's better for my mental health if I just do the things I enjoy. Because I, I could imagine like when you, she's a fairly big streamer, right? So it's like for her to, um, to, to, to be dependent on, a, on, on income basically from streaming and then to do a, another game and, and to have that viewership cut in half or whatever it is, like, it's almost like the, the bigger you are, the more scared you are of making a, 
a change, right? Like if you have 60 people and it goes to 15, maybe it feels worse if you have 6,000 viewers and it goes to 1500, right? I'm just guessing, but like it, that challenge is always there, I think. Yeah, but in the end of the day, you have to think like long term, if you're doing this full time, you have to do what makes you happy. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Because I know of streamers that started streaming magic before the pro scene became to Twitch and, and, and it was not so popular and it had so many viewers. And now they don't have view viewers when they are playing other games. And you just have to try to build your audience and, and be yourself because everyone else is already taken right that's the the expression and and, and it's true like uh, you you, tr you cannot compare yourself and we are very based on numbers and i think that's not how we should my mentally me mental mentality changes a lot in re regards to that I, I think we should not be guiding ourselves to numbers we are more than numbers and um i make more money now with magic that I, it's just for me fun and a hobby and i spend way less time doing it and I think people recognize me more for magic now than when I was streaming full time and having these viewers and being miserable sometimes because I had to play this format, you know? Do you have any thoughts about like Twitch streaming versus um, YouTubing? Because I, I, I feel like it's like a decision that a lot of creators have to make. And I know that sometimes people do it the smart way, which is like, I can change my stream content, I can record it as well, and I can repurpose it into YouTube, like a two in one de design the, the strategy. But I've also seen people like that are just kind of go more hardcore into YouTube, like, for example, Harry, whom, whom we just talked about, right? Like, he's 100% on YouTube now, because um, he just figured something out, he just he just wanted to focus. Like, so do you have any thoughts on that? Or, or maybe maybe I should put it this way, like, streaming versus youtube versus other ways to do magic content like how do you see all that so i think when i add more time i think twitch is great to build a community right people that will support you they will subscribe it's like that recurring thing uh if you don't have that much time if you don't have six hours to sit and play magic i think youtube is a better option for you because in a one hour you can record a video you can get someone to edit it for you or you can edit it yourself sometimes you don't need that many cuts if it's like a normal magic video obviously not what airy does what airy does is like full on youtube because he also i think tries to go a bit for that vir viral he uh, yeah, he is he is an actual youtuber's youtube youtuber yeah. like it's just I, I i told him like you're basically just you're an actual YouTuber. It's just, it happens to be built magic, but he knows all the techniques of like YouTube, which is pretty amazing actually, but it's a lot of work. Yeah. You can see that his generation is younger. He knows what gets views and he is amazing at editing thumbnails, editing, and he's actually a great guy. He, when I was doing my YouTube, he was like, do you want help with your thumbnails? You know, like in a very kind way. He knows what he's doing and uh, I think he is able to get a lot of success there. But of course, like it depends on how you manage, manage your goals, right? So, um, and a lot of times like the AdSense, it's unless you make this kind of ridiculous views, you're not going to make that much money out of AdSense and live uh, out of it. A lot of times it's sponsorships, brand deals, and uh, it comes from there. Yeah, for sure. I mean... There's no easy way to make a living, I guess, with content. So it's yeah. just, uh, it all depends, right? And I, I guess what I'm reading into your answer is like, it's kind of like intersection of what you're good at, but also what you love to do and also what other people are willing to pay you for. So it's, you have to consider all these, um, almost like the circles and like where the overlap is, I guess that's the, that's the key, right?
Yeah, and I think in the end of the day, I just came to the conclusion that as a magic content creator, I'm Philippa, and I want people to know that it's me. And it doesn't matter if I'm playing limited, if I'm doing YouTube, if I'm doing Twitch, if I'm casting. As long as my name is out there, you know? Because then, for brands and for these kind of uh, casting opportunities, it will come from, oh, it's Felipe. It doesn't matter if it's from Legacy European Tour, from VML, from the MTG channel, official channel. I've been done some YouTube videos for them. Uh, it doesn't matter where they found me, but they know it's me, right? And, and, and in the end of the day, I want no matter what my place is in Magic and if I'm shifting from more competitive to casual to commander, people will know it's Philippa and they will watch because it's me, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. There is something else I wanted to ask, which is the, the dynamic of balancing a full-time job with content creation. Um, just to give you a little background, this is something that I struggle with too. Um, because for me, Humans of Magic is really just a passion project. I, I make barely any money from it. It, it. If if it's just about money, I probably should be working at McDonald's as a part-time job or something yes. and probably make more. Um, and I have a full-time job in corporate, which is like 40, 50 hours a week, sometimes 60 hours a week. It's pretty intense. Um, and so I'm always trying to figure out, like, should I keep doing it or not? And I, for me, the answer right now so far is yes, because I, I enjoy I get I enjoy getting the feedback. And if I'm being honest, it also like feeds my ego. It's like, OK, this doing this, like I think I'm pretty good at it. Like I'm not I'm not the best at it, but I'm not the terrible. Like I feel like I'm a better interviewer than I'm a magic player for sure. So it's like I want to keep doing this. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I guess the question to you is like, how do you see that? Like, do you see yourself as just like there's just different roles of Philippa and like, um, obviously you're making a, a part-time living from content as well, but like, how do you see that? Are, do you see like the, the full-time thing eventually taking over or the, or the content stuff taking over the other stuff? It's tricky because I, for a, a while I was streaming full-time between, there was a period that I stopped teaching and I, until I got the job here in Bulgaria and I tried going full-time and that's, I think why I got so unhealthy with it because I, it's like what kills the artist is when they have to create art for money, you know? So I think that's yeah. one, because I have to do this to get viewers. And, and the money that I was making was so low, I had to get a job. Like, there's no way, I have to get a job. And when I started doing magic just for fun and just accepting these casting jobs, and then, and, and now I'm in a place that I'm making a lot of money, for not a lot of money, but compared to what I was making with magic. And I'm like, should I actually? And like, now I, I kind of want to go part-time on the corporate, part-time on the magic, but it's also tricky because I also work corporate and you know sometimes it's not easy for them to give you part-time but yeah it's ironic that I started getting more opportunities for magic when I was dedicating less time to it uh, and it just goes to show that sometimes timing is everything you know and when I started it was unfortunate it was COVID a lot of these paper event opportunities were not happening so it, it just it just goes to show that you you don't know if you just do it because you love it and and, and when i moved to bulgaria that was it i had my full-time job i was barely making money from magic i just made it because i love it and then opportunities came from it and 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 you never know when you're going to have your opportunity uh and i i think if you just do it for money it depends of course on where you are at life but um sometimes it's it's the opposite it works in the opposite direction i call that the the paradox of magic i talk about this with some um very competitive players because a lot of them when their whole life was about magic it was actually when they were suffering the most when every tournament result every victory really counted and uh when you don't you know 
get to the pro tour or whatever it is, you feel devastated. Uh, a lot of players, it's almost the paradox is that like when their life is not all about magic, they actually have better success in what they they do because it's just maybe it's not a paradox. It's just being more balanced in life, right? So, um, I think it's hard because like as magic players or creators, we always want to do more, more, more. Like I struggle with that as well. Like I'm, I'm like honestly, just just being honest with you, like. I do an episode a week and I was thinking like, should I do two episodes a week? Should I do like three episodes a week? Or like if I have any spare time, I'm like editing because I'm just, it's just me. I don't have a, someone to help me with it. Um, and so I'm, I'm always thinking about like, how do I do more? And I'm just wondering like, if you have any tips for like setting boundaries for yourself. Yeah, I, I actually struggled with that a lot. When I moved to Bulgaria in the beginning, I was still streaming every weekend. Sometimes after work, I was streaming and I was barely making money of it, out of it, but I just wanted my name not to disappear, let's say. I didn't want all yeah. this work I put in during COVID, like all these years that I sacrificed so many things on my personal life to go away. And and it was difficult to create boundaries. And and then I think it came to the point where I had to stop feeling guilt for prioritizing my life. And I last year I lost 10 kilos. I went on a health journey kind of thing and, and I stopped streaming oh, so Oh, incredible. Much. How, yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I went... Um, I went to the gym, it was very healthy, but I needed time for my health. I needed time to go to the gym, I needed time. So I stopped streaming so much. And I think in my head, I was like, okay, let's take the guilt away from not streaming. It's okay. What can you do? What is feasible for you to still be active and, and, and to do the best you can, but without compromising? And for me, it was YouTube, even if it's once a week, twice a week, once a month. It's streaming when I have a bit on a weekend or if I don't have that weekend when it's, a, for example, the early access event. It's to cast these events and be active on Twitter. And that's it. Like you just, you, I just had to stop being guilty for not being streaming or making content. And I think that also happened a lot when I, because I, I started a relationship um, almost a year ago, but not quite yet a, a year ago. And, and it was when I, I was like, nope. My weekends now are, I have a person that, that, that also needs my time, right? So I want to spend time with them, obviously. So I, I, I cannot keep streaming so much and uh, doing all these things. And I still do crazy things for magic. I mean, the VML that I cast, it's Friday at 4 a.m. my time. I wake up at really? 2 a.m. to cast that event. And then I go to bed at 7 a.m. It's only once a month, but still, I still do some crazy things for magic. But, but definitely, I, I found a bit of more balance and and i think it's important for you especially if you're doing a full-time job to stop feeling guilty for not creating content you just have to do whatever you can and you also need to to realize that if your health state is not good it will reflect in your content your content is not going to be good because people will see that you're not uh happy about it and that you're just doing it to meet a deadline you know where does the where did the guilt come from originally though? I think it came a lot from uh, kind of like that feeling that I failed because after trying to do this for full time and realizing no this is not going to work this is not going to bring me the income that I want this is putting a lot of pressure on me uh, I don't want to to depend on people watching my content to survive and I kind of viewed that as a failure failure when I had to resume and find a job. 
And then once I found the job, I kept feeling guilty. I felt like I was disappointing the community because I was not streaming enough. And suddenly I don't have time or that I don't have the energy. And I kept for a long time compromising my social life to be able to stream and make content until I just had to stop. It was not sustainable. And um, now I think I'm in a much healthier place in that regard. Okay. So other than waking up at... Uh... 2 a.m. or yeah. 4 a.m. Like just that, month, other yeah. than that, it's mostly uh, under control, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm just joking. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, that that's really good. Uh, maybe we can also switch gears now and talk a bit about VML. Like, um, tell me exactly what is VML, your involvement in it, and just all the stuff surrounding it, basically. So the VML is this tournament that is for players with with mar marginalized genders within the Magic community. And it's a tournament for 128 people. This is the ninth season. We are going for the 10th now. And the top eight qualifies for the regional championship. And there's also these VML finals that qualify for the Pro Tour. So it's a path for the Pro Tour and for competitive magic for people that usually have more struggles getting into it, you know. And, and I started as a player. I've been playing since season three. And I played the VML. I really loved it. It was a great opportunity. These last two seasons, I always made top 32. This season, I made top 16. And uh, so, like, it's it's been a great experience for me. It's a tournament that it's not a weekend. It's a tournament that is for seven, week, seven weeks. You play with someone from your division. So there's eight players in each, each division, and you play against the seven other players. Then top two go into playoffs. Uh, of each division. So it's not a tournament that is one weekend, you know, you have to build this community, you have to meet everyone in your division, you have to uh, change decks every week. Uh, so it's 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 always standard format in arena. And I, I've been playing since season three. And two seasons ago, on Twitter, they were like, Oh, we are uh, opening up positions for casting. And I was like, okay, I've been casting the Legacy European Tour. Why not join the VML? Something that I actually am passionate also about it. So I messaged them. They were like, okay, do a video to apply. I did. I got selected and, and I started uh, doing it like once a month on average at 4 a.m. I go to the VML Twitch and uh, just stream for a couple of hours and and it's, it's really fun. Got it. So... I know the VML has been criticized in the past for um, catering to folks with of marginalized gender, which means that if you are someone like me, if you are um, if you are identify as a man or male, um, you're not allowed in. Like this is for everybody else, right? And of course, there are good reasons for that, of course. Um, but um, like, how do you how do you think about that in terms of just the the strictly speaking the exclusivity angle of the VML? Yeah, I think instead of looking at an angle of someone is not allowed, it should be seen as an angle of the time that I walk in into a local game store and there's 13 men and I'm the only one and suddenly everyone is turning eyes and you feel kind of weird, like you feel... I don't feel this lately, luckily, because it, I know feel more confident with magic but in the beginning when i didn't know how to play you know and and it's not like they're doing it on purpose or to be mean but you always right. feel like a bit different and uh, well you are different i guess yeah if it's, yeah uh, if, if you identify as female and you go into a room and it's yeah. like 99 percent men yeah. right and, and yeah. it's about it's about just creating a community where you feel safe 
And for these people that maybe go to the local game store, they see all these men, and instead of staying and playing and trying, uh, some of them also feel intimidated, right? And they're like, okay, I don't want to have anything to do with this. This is too much. Some also suffer from social anxiety. You know, there's all these factors that play in. And now there's a safe space, you know? Uh, for people that feel the same way. So I try to look at more in, in the sense that it's a safe space for people that struggle with not fitting in in magic before. Like, the, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, speaking of safe spaces, um, how would you characterize the what it's like to be, to identify as female? Because I, I, I don't identify as female. So it's like, what is it like for a magic player in terms of being there online and also offline because you mentioned like you know going to an lgs and um i'm sure people have lots of stories about that but also online because like vml is is online right so it's like what are also some things that um people who are female like experience online and maybe or maybe even more personally what have you experienced online there's there's a lot of um like different aspects of it I, I wouldn't say all are negative right like there's also benefits like i'm not going to lie sometimes when i go to my local games are people are nicer from to me because i'm a girl like there's also a positive aspect of it i guess but there's also a lot of negatives that come with it just 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 because you are a female and uh for example a lot of times people use you as an example i remember on twitter uh like one year ago two years ago there was this controversy because somebody tweeted like oh uh, i'm watching philippa stream and she's actually uh, a nice girl because she's not she doesn't have to wear cleavage to get views or something like this and i don't want to put in this basket you know like if somebody wants to show cleavage that's great i don't want to be used as, as an example in any, any other way i'm just a person that is enjoying magic you know and a lot of mm. times it's like people in a way or another so you're saying that like you could be symbolized or you can become a symbol of someone's argument i guess yeah, whereas that doesn't really happen i think as far as like men are concerned most of the time i think exactly and then that's like that would never happen if i was a male streamer right and and i i'm not trying to like i if somebody sexualizes themselves it's their thing right i'm not doing it but i'm also not don't want to use an example to shame other people i don't want to be the person that they're using to put other people down you know because i just want to play magic and enjoy the game and that's it and if somebody wants to do other things that's super okay as well it's what they want to do and and, and i don't like when people use you as, as an example also you have obviously a lot of times uh you know like lately it was, I think, in Sofia. I received the DM on my Instagram and it was really scary. Uh, somebody messaged me on Instagram and they're like, I'm going to find you and I'm going to bring you to the bathroom of a GP. And yeah, and it, oh my it God. was just like, All right, you, you better I hope you called the police or found yeah, who that person it was is. Like that's a, insane. A anonymous Instagram, like I blocked, I was I was scared, but you, you kind of get scared, right? Because you yeah. go to these events and there is like, thousands of men and there is not that many women and of, of course the events are safe there's security is everything but then you receive these messages and you're like okay you know and you feel unsafe and then and, and it's one clicks in and as a woman you have not even counting the countless times that people message you just uh, to compliment you or to not or, or to the opposite but just to to talk about your looks uh when you are not trying to go for it but but yeah like there's there's the safety aspect as well yeah, I mean, I think the internet has just made us all into, um, I shouldn't say all, but it made a lot of people into monsters because like you can hide behind um, 
being anonymous and and uh, maybe this is something that even transcends like gender or sex it's just like the the best thing about the internet is that you can be who you want to be the worst thing about the internet is that you can be wh whoever you want to be right it's it's like there's no real um consequence for for like like maybe that person was just trying to it's a terrible joke but like i'm and i'm not saying that that person is like I don't know that person's intentions that sent you that really scary DM, but it's like, it's, there's, there's just no consequence for doing that, right? Yeah. It, it's just really, it's really bad. And also there's a lot of the, the, the thing that I struggle the most is people say like, the only reason you get views, it's because you're a girl. The only reason you get disgusting jobs, it's because you're a girl. If you were a man, you wouldn't get this. And and the truth is that we don't know, right? Like, because there's men obviously that get these, these uh, opportunities, but I, I don't know because I'm not one. And yeah, maybe it's true that instead of having a thousand other men that play this, I don't have that many females to, to make like competition, let's say, or, or to be in the same field, but, but, but to just attribute all the successes on the, on your gender, it's, it's not fair. I As think. if you didn't have to actually work or you didn't have to do anything, exactly. like you just had to show up. That's kind of, uh, that's a real falsehood, I think. Exactly. Especially when you already had to do so, so much work to break the stigma and, uh, yeah, I, I guess that's, and, and a lot of people, uh, just, just, uh, yeah, it's because she's a girl, you know, like all the things that she the accomplishments because she's a girl you know and it it's sometimes that that's for me a bad part of it but i i think it's getting better and and at one point you you just prove yourself like i've i've played against amazing players i've won against amazing players i've lost against amazing players it's magic sometimes you win sometimes you lose but i think i've proved myself that i know the game and i love the game uh but i had to prove that i love the game you know yeah which that some... is really that's really challenging. Yeah. Um, have there been, oh, you already answered the question. Like there have been times where you definitely felt unsafe online. Um, and so do you, do you have similar situations come up like when you're offline? Cause you, I know there's like the, just the thing, like, you know, you show up at the LGS and um, maybe people are not used to seeing a woman there. So like they turn their heads. So maybe that's not entirely um, malicious, but like, are there other things that have happened that it's like, uh, that's really, I don't know. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to keep using the word scary, but like, like, I don't know, just to illustrate like how it could be challenging to be a, a, a woman magic player. Maybe I'm lucky. I'm lucky. I've been in amazing local game source communities that embraced me. Uh, and, uh, sometimes they even joke, they're like, you're one of the guys, you know, you're not a girl anymore to us. You're one of the guys, but, uh, it, to get to the point that they accept me fully, I had to learn how to play the game, you know, and, and now they, they know, okay, she knows how to play like she's beat us all, all of us. So, uh, you know, like she does know the game, she loves the game and they just accept me. But I, I, I think like to get to the point where you actually know the game, because it takes time to learn. I think that's the beginning is the most challenging part. After that, it, 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 it becomes a bit more easy. That's still an interesting dynamic, right? Because let's say I go into the game store, like it's just James as me, right? Um, if I'm not a great magic player, they wouldn't say like, I'm I'm a bad magic player because I'm a, I'm a guy, right? Yeah. But if you somehow didn't meet someone's expectations, uh, subjective expectations, well, it's because you're a woman or because you're a girl like that, that can be really... Um, What's the word? Frustrating? Yeah. I don't even, I don't even know if that begins to describe it. I don't know. You play Unfair? well for a girl, you know, these kind of comments. Yeah. 
yeah. you you don't completely play bad for a girl you know like this this kind of comments but i'm lucky that i i know people that have way worse situations my my local game stores have been amazing people have been amazing and i haven't felt this uh at all and i've, I've felt the opposite the support they support my content and they support that i that i do these events that i cast these events they are my biggest fans they're using my codes because i have a promo codes when a new event arrives and they are using nice. them and they, they are just they are just amazing so i'm lucky in that regards i cannot complain Awesome. And of course, you can also say that, you know, you're the one who actually taught your boyfriend how to play magic, right? That's oh, yeah, that was funny. So, yes. You know. I actually got a tweet <laughs> that got viral. It got like 3000 likes because I was uh, talking about my, my boyfriend learning how to play magic. And a lot of people like that because it's like a opposite role uh, situation. Yeah. And people really enjoyed it. And I, I, I teach them how to play magic. He now plays on arena and he likes it. And sometimes it's like, what is life link and what 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 how does double strike works and then he's like the game has a bug and then i go and it's the rule of the card that he didn't know and it's like <laughs> this game has a bug you know and, and it's yeah. it's fun and, and it's really nice to teach them actually one of the things that I, I think we can also talk about it here is my dream in life with magic is to one day when i'm no longer like in the mental capacity to play that well or or to try to go to these tournaments because they are tiring. Um, I really wanted to go to schools and teach how to play magic because I'm a teacher. So um, to go and teach other teachers how to do magic as like an after school activity. Because when I was growing up, I was an outcast and I learned how to play uh, chess and how to play, do theater. But at the time, if they had like this club with magic where I could learn magic, it would be so awesome. And I know some people had this. So I would love to go and teach people how to play magic, kids how to play magic. So that's still a passion of yours is to is to teach, right? I guess there's still some like desire to teach. Maybe it's not a great profession, at least in Portugal, but... But it sounds like that's something you want to do. Or is it just for magic or is it in general? Yeah, I think it's more with magic, you know, because it, it, I like teaching, but my passion is a lot magic. I've dedicated a lot of, a long time. I've been playing for 10 years. So, like, I remember the feeling of opening my first booster pack. And, and I want other kids to have this feeling and to learn how to play the game. And it's, it's great to teach in mathematics, English, like it, it just has so many benefits, I think. And I, I just think it would be amazing to be able to teach uh, people how to play the game. Can you talk a bit about uh, your childhood? Because you mentioned just now, like being a little bit of a, an outcast. And it sounds like you were just you, you were into games in general, right? It was chess or it was other things. Definitely a lot of things sounds like before magic, like describe that for me a little bit. Yeah, like, when I... like in what ways were you an outcast and like, how did you even become a, a gamer in the first place? So when I was like six to 10, you know, primary school, elementary school, I think that's how you say it in English. Um, I played a lot of like Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, you know, this, I didn't know about magic, but this was the, the games at the time. I liked collecting the cards and I didn't have a lot of money. And I saw that my cousins had more cards than me. And I just really wanted to collect the cards. And I had to buy the fake cards because I didn't have money to buy the real ones. And I just like loved collecting. I think collecting was... I remember my father building this Pokemon binder to put my Pokemon cards. And I think it's worth more about the collecting aspect. I loved watching Pokemon on TV. And I was always like loved watching cartoons 
and I watched cartoons until really late and I think also that's something that I got bullied for because then when I entered uh, with 11 years, 12 years, 13 years, I was bullied a lot because I was still very childish, you know, and uh, the kids were talking about other things and I still loved my uh, witch magazines and cartoon things and... Mm -hmm. At the time, I would have loved to have magic and people that played magic, but that didn't exist. So I just went and pl on and play on these computers, Neopets and other kind of like little games. And oh yeah, Neopets! I that. Yeah. <laughs> the throwback, yeah. And and I just loved it. And then I entered these clubs, as you said. And and then when I was a bit older, I started playing League of Legends and then Magic and Hearthstone. So yeah, I always like been a bit of an outcast because. At now, I think it's cool to play games when you're younger, but at the time it was not. It was not something people were doing. It was like a bit nerd and weird and like, why is she 12 and still reading these magazines and collecting Pokemon cards, you know, like the weird kid. And in Portugal, there was not a lot of people like this. So I mm. felt like an outcast. And, and, and I think if I had this magic, like it would be so amazing because I feel like I discovered my first year of college and since then I, I haven't stopped. And sometimes I, I was like, damn, I just switch. I, I had found this before, you know? <laughs> so maybe that's why you're so into it because you're trying to make up for lost yeah, time, I for guess. Sure, yeah. 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 Um, definitely magic used to be more stigmatized as well, regardless of your gender or background like i'm much older than you are i'm in my early 40s and i still remember playing magic in the 90s and um there was a kind of a stigma like i when i went to college or university as they call it in canada like i stopped playing magic because um it just wasn't cool right i didn't want to be uncool so i didn't and at that time i was young so i cared what other people thought um i guess we all do but i, I cared especially more back then and uh yeah, it's just I had a long break from magic. Um, so I guess we all have our magic stories, but it's um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think now like being into anime or cartoons or magic doesn't really have that much stigma, right? Like it's people are just kind of proud to 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 announce it. Would you say that? Or yeah, think, is it still difficult in Bulgaria or Portugal? Or No, I think now having like something that makes you unique, I think people kind of go for it even. It's like that quirky thing that's actually kind of cool. But before it was not, definitely not in Portugal. It was not cool, I, especially as a girl. Like it was really like when I started in college, it was a bit different. I remember like I was already at enough age to like just do whatever I wanted and not care what people think. Also, I remember saving 12 euros a week because it was the draft uh, price and I, I, I saved because in college you don't have a lot of money. So I had to save to play Magic and it was so cool. And when I had some birthday money, just being able to buy a starter deck or something or go and buy on Marketplace and buy a bunch of bulk rares for two euros and I would be so happy, you know? So... Good deal, yeah. Yeah, you know, like there's a lot of things that the, the more that you grow and the more experience you have with Magic, they don't feel as special anymore. And I, I that's why I think I want to teach... Uh, people how to play magic because this first feeling you have when you start playing magic and that addiction that it's so cool um i want to be able to transport that to other people yeah that's really that's a really good goal like um there's a lot of things in life i feel like i wish sometimes i could like unlearn it so that i can experience it again for the first time like maybe a really cool 
record or a show or a movie mm-hmm. or like even playing magic for the first time. But I like your approach, which is like much more realistic, which is like maybe I can pass it on to other people to make them like feel the same joy that I, I feel. So would you say that in general, you're like a fairly empathetic person? Like you, 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 you're sensitive towards other people and their, their needs. Cause it sounds like you're trying to do that if you want to teach people the game, right? Most people just are just kind of like, you know, I just, I just care about my own happiness. Right. But there's something about you that's a little different, I think. Yeah. I'm very vulnerable. Like I, I, People know what I'm feeling. I'm very person that if I have to cry, I'll cry. And I feel things very heavily. And I also feel the same for other people. A lot of times I put myself in other people's shoes because I feel felt bad in these situations and I don't want them to feel the same way. Or I felt good in these situations and I want them to feel this way. And it, it, I, I really have this thing, which not only it's it's sometimes not great, but sometimes is 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 good. And just the way I am, I don't know. I've always been like this, and and I just. I I know that especially magic players, a lot of them were outcasts like me, and some of them don't have this vulnerability that I have, so they have more trouble expressing feelings. And they have, I, I've you know the I've met a lot of magic players, and I've become friends with a lot of them. And what I've discovered is that they have some of them have a lot of walls, and they are passing through a lot of things. And magic saved many lives, you know. I think people don't realize this. Magic actually saved a lot of people's lives that that were in a very dark space and magic was like kind of what instead of being drugs or you know alcohol or magic was what kept them like having a goal or purpose the competitive side and that's what i love would you would you say that has saved your life in 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 some ways yes because i think the times that i tried to be more competitive with magic were the times where my life was not looking up so great but magic kept having me a goal something i look forward to and also the social aspect i don't i have trouble making friendships because i don't like discussing most topics that people like to discuss and i I don't know just always i had trouble not not making friends but maybe maintaining friends uh in the sense that i disconnect very easily of people and i always moving and uh i just disconnect and my friends know i'm like this they at this point don't blame me but uh magic helped me because it's that thing that i have to be social and i have to meet people and we have this thing that we love (laughs) in common so in some ways it did definitely maybe not save my life but shape my life you know yeah i think shaping your life is uh is a good description i mean i i really don't like small talk i only do small talk on this podcast like this is this is like the best way for me to socialize as an introvert is to actually just like do the recording i I, honestly if i have to go and talk to somebody about something i don't enjoy like i just can't do it like i i try to avoid large gatherings like yeah i mean uh i so i i have I, i can relate to what you're saying that's all i'm saying is that um i really love talking about certain things other things i just want to um just want to avoid so um (laughs) it's completely the same for me because i had these like i value my time a lot especially now with content creation and i just feel bad if i waste a whole friday night with people that i'm not really enjoying the company maybe they are not enjoying my company either we don't relate on this like i don't know it's just yeah we just like what are we all doing here right yeah yeah and and then i just in in got to a point that I stopped doing that and I started realizing like I only have one life okay I really enjoy this magic thing there's other things that I enjoy but magic is one of them so I want to spend time meeting people that also love this and yeah 
making friends that have the same hobby. Nice. So Filippo, thank you so much today. Like what's the best way for people to, um, to find your content or like find you on the internet where you would like to be found? Well, I use Twitter a lot. I think that's where I'm more consistent because you just have to write. So people can find me on Philippa MTG. And I also stream sometimes YouTube videos on Philippa Carola. And you can find me casting the VML and Legacy European Tour quite often. I'm going to be in Valencia in the end of May. Nice. Well, enjoy uh, enjoy the rest of your, your day over there and enjoy uh, Valencia um, in the in the near near future. It was a it was a real pleasure talking to you. I thank you for uh, taking the time. Same. Thank you.